Blog Talk It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jeremy Dunn, soon to be joined by um, Jack. And I think Jack's going to be calling in in just a second. He's my co-host for this evening. Um, This is Jeremy. I am sitting in for Robert Brining, who is actually at an emergency ADAP summit down in um, in, – in, in where is he at? In Fort Lauderdale. And I think we have Jack on the line. Jack? What? <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm waking you up. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I just had to tell my personal manicurist and pedicurist to leave me alone for a minute while I do a show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had somebody stick a chiropodist stick in my foot once, and it wasn't any fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. I was just um, in the chat room. I was telling you, I'm coming. I'm coming to Winston Salem for the. Are you still there, right? I, oh yeah. Well, I'm in Charlotte. Yes. Okay, for that same yeah. AIDS care service um, event, the the oh. the, the HIV fashion show thing. So yeah. I don't know if you're gonna you want to come or not. It's like it's probably gonna be basically more of the same. But yeah, it'll be fun. Oh, okay. Yeah, I should. We let me let me talk it over with the husband. <laughs> yeah, the ball and chain now, girl. Exactly, that's right. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, he's <laughs> in the other bedroom, sound asleep, because, you know, it's we're married I think now yeah. that we're, like, moving on in the years, we need to move the show to, like, earlier or, like, another, like, Sunday night at 9 o'clock is, like, I'm, I want to get in my bed and put on my, like, put on my nightgown. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm wearing my nightgown. <laughs> You're wearing yours? I am. I always wear it when I do the show. Oh, that's lovely. Yes. Yes. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's satin, even. And, oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> it's so, funny because so, when I um when I came out to my mom when I was eighteen, I was like, um, hello, didn't you know? And she's like, well, come to think of it, you did like to wear my nightgowns when you were five. And I was like, okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> oh goodness. So, Jack, it's been, like, forever since you and I have talked. I know. Well, I haven't done the show in, like, two months, at least, because I was in Miami for a whole entire month, and it was just too much, too difficult to – yeah, I didn't have any reception there, and I wasn't staying I – was, I was renting this weird room from these really difficult – I was to Robert. I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm just not, like, in radio <laughs> mode. But, um, but I'm back, so – and just, Yay. like, in a – it's the the snow here is killing me slowly. I just want like it's it's what I don't know what it's like there, but it's a disaster here. So it was it was a little over seventy degrees here today. I hate you. <laughs> the dog and I we were out all day. I got a little sun on my face. So oh yeah. my god, I want you dead like immediately. I have to basically like drink an entire pot of coffee before getting out of bed to just get through the day. 
<laughs> yeah, that that sucks when it's when it's cold and gray and. Yeah, I'm actually seriously considering. I think I have seasonal affective disorder, so I'm seriously considering getting a light box, like because you know those work. Like you sit in front of them for like yes. 15 minutes a day or whatever. So you know, living in Seattle, um, I had some friends and coworkers that used them. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, it's they they seem to work. Imagine well, that. I need some. I need some or pills or I need the snow to go away. <laughs> No pills, you'll just end up like, you know, Judy Garland. Well, that's she's famous, girl. I'm, I had no problem training places with her. Yes, but we don't we, – you see, the thing is, is that we don't want you ending up like she did and finding you in the toilet. Oh, okay. Yes. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> Remember that. Well, um, we've got uh, – who do we have on the show tonight? And um, – his name is Tyler Helms, and he's originally from Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, well, you know what? I think he's waiting on to come on on the on the line now. So why don't I bring him on, and he can tell us all about himself? How does that sound? Sounds fabulous. Awesome. And I think we have Tyler on. Tyler, are you there? I'm here. Hey, Tyler. How are you? This is Jeremy. I'm sitting in for Robert Brining. I'm doing well. Um, excellent. Excellent. We have Jack McEnroth um, in studio with me. Hi there. <laughs> it's a really big studio. Hi, how are it is you? Cute. I'm doing well. <laughs> Good. So, so Tyler, um, I was going to give your bio, but then I, decide, I saw your number pop up and I decided to cheat. And since you're on, we might as well just talk to you instead of talking sure. about you. How does that sound? Either way, fine. I like the latter better, so I'm happy to happy to engage. Um, what do you want to know? Well, let's let's start with you. Let's start from the beginning. Well, not all the way at the beginning. <laughs> that's, no, that's more than a one-hour show. Trust me. Yeah, exactly. So um, some people so have really us, boring lives. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why they listen to our show. Um, sorry, guys. Um, but, uh, so, so tell us about you. How um, you are how old and you are HIV positive? So well, let's start there. Okay, I um, I'm 29. I am originally from Atlanta, which you uh, already noted with a twang. Um, I was born in Atlanta, lived in Mississippi, went to LA for a bit, and then moved to New York about six and a half years ago. And really, everything before that doesn't really matter because it was about four years ago that I was diagnosed as HIV positive. Um, when I was whatever four minus nine is so twenty five um, and lived with that as a secret really for probably uh, a good two and a half years and then a year ago a little over a year ago on World AIDS Day I decided to um, tell the world I guess really at the time just my friends um, and family in a more public way using my Facebook status and a few other things to tell the world that I was positive and the advocate ended up picking that up and then followed suit a bunch of other media outlets at the time and it became for that day at least a story uh, with my face on it and so ever since then I've been half of my life has been in advertising I'm a vice president at Deutsch Advertising here in New York um, and the other half has spent uh, what I call continuing a conversation um, that I don't think happens enough and that is in a nutshell me as of now awesome so so 
you came out publicly about your HIV status. Yeah. Okay. Before you told your parents. No, I um when I was diagnosed, uh, that within about a month I told my immediate family. So um, I come from a split home, as they call it in the South. So I have a stepmom and a stepdad and a half sister. I told my immediately fam- immediate family of uh, six people, and then I told uh, five other people, and then from then on I didn't tell anyone else. Uh, and then I'd actually dated someone for two and a half years who was not positive, and he didn't tell anyone either. And so when I told the world, I told everyone kind of in a big way. So it was more than – it was the rest of my family and the rest of my friends, my coworkers, um, everybody. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's kind of – I mean, didn't you find that a little bit um, cathartic? I mean, sometimes it's kind of good to just rip off the Band-Aid, I feel like. I mean, obviously, I went on national TV and talked about it, and I've been out to pretty much everyone anyways, but – it's like if you do it in a big way, you don't have to keep having that conversation. <laughs> yeah, every no, time completely. You... I think it was um, it was the reason I did it that way, truthfully. And even now, I kind of assume everyone knows, and some people still don't. So it's it's one of those things. Now I just assume and go about life, and I talk about it quite a bit. And I think that was the bigger part of what I was doing. It was less about my. I never really worried about my friends or family or people not supporting me because. I've come from a great, you know, background with a really supportive network of people. I think for me it was more the bigger kind of cultural context that it lived in and the what I was seeing day in and day out as still a very um a disease that's is plagued by a a lot of stigma, uh prejudice and I've even seen like I say I have a view into the world now that sometimes I wish I didn't have because it's uh it is quite sad sometimes. So any regrets with coming out the way you did? Um, you know, I everyone says you don't regret things in life. I think you do regret things in life. Uh, I don't regret this. I think it has um, – well, I take that back. Those days I wish I hadn't done it. Um, but there's the greater part of it, I'm glad I did it, and I'm glad I did it in the way that I did it. I think I waited until I felt like I had a significant voice to at least talk about it from. I think, you know, obviously – Jack's a good example of that going on national TV, and I think in my case it was I was a pretty responsible person, um, did quite well in my career, uh, had a huge network of friends here and in other cities and states. I used to be in the news, um, and my family is you know quite well networked in Georgia, and so I felt like if I at least could bring a face to a disease that people that otherwise wouldn't be exposed to it, um, perhaps that was good. So I don't regret that part. I think I regret the. Uh, um, I regret having it. <laughs> I'll say that much. But I, uh, yeah, I don't regret it. I think it's it's one of those things that it's not easy. It's I think it, you know, you give a little with the bad and the good, but it's uh, it is what it is these days, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I always think I I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think, I mean, of course, you regret having it. Like if you if someone magically said, oh, here's like a magic wand and you could be negative, would I? Yeah, but actually, I've had it. I've been positive for so long that I. I don't even, I think that regret's even dissipated. It's like, I just am what I am. It is what it is. Um, there are times when, yeah, for different reasons, you're like, do I, do you, are you satisfied with being so public about it? And that comes along with, that comes with a lot, because there's such a, a, a stigma on living with HIV and because there's so few people that are willing to talk about it, if it's, if sometimes it can be a burden to be like, you know, a spokesperson or an educator or someone who is open about it and people ask you lots of questions. And, um, I mean, and there are times when you want to disappear and wish that would all go away. But, like like you said, I think in the, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, at the end of your life, 
what you've achieved and what you've done for other people greatly outweighs any, you know, looking back and any sort of mild regret you may have. Oh, I completely, think. completely. I think the burden thing is an interesting one because I, and believe me, I'm big on not pretending I'm more important than I am, and I get criticized a lot with my column in The Advocate by a select few who think that I I find some self-importance in what I do, but I think the amount of people that reach out to me on a daily basis that either are positive and haven't told anyone, um, are positive and don't go to the doctor, are positive and married men, um, and haven't told their wives, I think to me that is, that burden and, and having those questions and those things thrown at you on a regular basis is, it, it can be quite daunting, but then on the flip side, it's one of those things that I am still in awe of, really, uh, the amount of silence that still kind of uh, blankets this, this disease, even now. I mean, I think it's, you know, I've, I had the CEO of my company on a video, and I had Michael J. Fox. I had a lot of people talking about it, and the reason I did that was because I think it's, it's one thing for me as a gay man to go out there and say I have HIV and, and talk about tolerance. It's another thing to hear it from people that, um, otherwise you wouldn't think would be affected or impacted by it. And um, that, to me, I think is if more people could just speak their truth on a regular basis, my, 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 what we would see a difference. Right. So, And actually, so, so I am um, – I'm sorry to interrupt. I, 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 I haven't been so good about it lately, but I'm the same as you are probably good. I would say on average one or two email messages or Facebook messages a day and um, if it's HIV-related, I always write back just because, you know, and they're saying, like, you're hot or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, you're in assemble, so I don't really care. But, like, if it's actually a serious message, I always write back. And it can be. I mean, like, you know, we all have bad days where we're like, ugh, I just don't feel like, you know, this part. people people spill their guts and tell their most intimate health it's details. I know. And all this stuff because and because they feel like you're the one person that they can speak to and, and you can just write back, Good luck or you know, you I mean you have to take a minute and either refer them to someone or like send them websites or, you know, say like, Well, there's lots of treatment options and that can be really a large huge responsibility and I don't mean think you'll really realize that and there are times when I'm sure you and I am like I I'm like, Oh, I just can't say I, I just don't really feel like writing a email to someone, but you have to remember how important it is to them and how they'll remember forever, and it might save their lives. So, completely, um, completely. There you go. Sorry, so, Jeremy, what were you about to say? Oh, no problem, no problem. So, so Tyler, I wanted to go back to um, something you just talked about, about speaking your truth. Mm-hmm. And um, w- there's a couple of questions coming into the chat room and the the main question is coming from um, Mark King, and he's asking, have you gone back to Meridian, Mississippi, to talk about HIV in that area, in that in that town? You know, I haven't gone back, um, in part because uh, there just hasn't been the opportunity for me to do so. I have, and, and I do have plans to, I think. Um, the interesting thing about living and working in Meridian with I worked for the ABC affiliate there, uh, WTOK TV, which in that area, and if anyone has been to Mississippi, they'll understand what I'm talking about, but it's still quite rural, and so the ABC station there is one of the main stations that those people in that, you know, uh, demographic watch, and they uh, revere their news people. They think you work just alongside the Oprah and Peter Jennings, and so in that short time that I was there, about two years, I um, you get quite a bit of people that know you and follow you and 
um, look to you for their news at 6 o'clock. It's still very old school. And uh, when I then moved away, had disconnected from that and had been in New York for quite a while and then came out about my status, they actually ran a story down there about it um, in that time frame. And the amount of people that reached out to me, particularly gay men who are either closeted or married, um, I wrote a column on that as well, that two of them had reached out to me and had been um, diagnosed as HIV positive. One of them hadn't told their wife as of yet. Uh, I think the that's been very interesting because I see a side of that city I'd never saw before. Um, it's a place that still has black and white proms, people. It's a, it is very back, it has not progressed in a lot of ways. Um, but the people there, and the young people there particularly, I think are progressing, and so uh, I was proud of the news station there that they did run that story. That's something that they wouldn't have done in my time when I was there. Um, but I think it still has a long way to go. It has a huge African-American population. Um, HIV in that county, I remember at the time, and this was you know four or five years ago, um, was, was still number one among African-American women in uh, East Mississippi and West Alabama, and that's you know shocking when people are, are not talking about it. And the amount of people that were talking to me about it over email was, um, was shocking as well. So I think there's a need to go back there. I, I hope to do a a series of kind of going back to different places I've lived and worked and um, and some follow-up stuff, but uh, no, I haven't, and I think it's it's a need. Mm-hmm. So, what are you doing these days? I mean, so because you were 25 when you were anchoring, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I was actually 23. We were gossiping about your bio photo before. You know, I'm like, dude, he looks like he's 18. I'm like, how old is this little bitch? He's a I kid. Would. <laughs> he's just a kid. I'm glad I have my friend Albie to thank for those uh, those great photos that make me look younger. Um, <laughs> I you know what? I have been 29 and holding for the last six years. Anyway. I had spelled my hair and parted it and did all sorts of things when I was on TV, so I looked older and not as fit together. Um, but I, was, <laughs> I got that job before I graduated college, so I was actually anchoring the news on the weekends while I was in college and driving back and forth, so I was 22, 23. Wow. Holy, wow. Holy smokes. So you, you anchoring the news, you contracted HIV at 25? Yeah, I got um, Four years later, you're... Yeah. you're <clears throat> You're you're here. You're doing this amazing stuff. Um, you're you're doing this great article, and these great columns for the Advocate. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, it's you know it's funny. I I I don't even think of them as um, great until people say it. But I appreciate it. I think the Advocate was one of the key kind of facilitators of me going public. I when I posted it on my Facebook. Um, I really transformed my whole Facebook for that day uh, on December 1st, 2009. You know, everything from my pictures to everything about me to my status, you know, everything at the time. And I really just expected it to impact the 800 friends I had at the time. Um, and one of those connections happened to be uh, John Barrett, the editor of um, The Advocate, and another one happened to be the editor of Out. And so they ended up picking up that story, just the straight post from my bio on my wall, and ran it on that day. And it ended up running across all of their media net- networks, which was like 15 sites. And then it started getting picked up after that. And they didn't call me probably until six months later, I think right after the AIDS walk, um, and asked if I would write on a regular basis. And so I, you know, if they told me to write about it, they said I could write about anything I wanted. And I thought, oh, dear God. 
Um, I don't know if they know what they've asked for, but I basically developed a column around my one of my favorite quotes, which is called Living the Questions. And it really isn't about me giving advice on medical or um, how to handle a particular situation. It's, it's really about posing questions that I've faced or that I'm facing um, and my own truth about them. I think, you know, particularly the ones where I get is, I'll say this about the column, I've gotten probably 18 death threats in the past three months. And I say that not, in a, not for anyone to feel bad because I doubt anyone's going to kill me over them. Um, but truth, truthfully, I've gotten, you know, full-on death threats. And I think that alone talks about the whole point of why I do it. And it's really just to, if I can't speak my truth and if we can't have a conversation about it, um, gosh, where are we as people? Uh, and the feedback. That's, and, really, that's really shocking to me. I mean, yeah. just because you write openly about HIV, you have death threats. Less, yeah, you, you know, it depends. Around. You know, well, you have to weed out the crazies because there are definitely, hopefully, all of, of them. Are um, and there's people that just go after gay publications and comment on those. And then there, you know, particularly when I've written about, you know, one of my kind of things is I'm, you know, I could definitely go on and t- talk about safe sex for the next 12 months, um, but that's not really going to give exposure or talk about what we truly face as being HIV positive or the people that care for us. And I mean that in the sense of friends and family and. Right. Um, how it's challenging them and, you know, relationships in your job and anything and everything. It's, it's really just about life. And I think when I write about those things and things that I've dealt with, for instance, the la- latest article, um, gosh, it took a beating, I think. I don't read the comments as much, but um, how do you tell someone or if you haven't told someone that after you were diagnosed and, and you've ignored that for a while, um, what does that mean, and how does that impact you? And how? And I, all I can speak of is what I've gone through and the decisions and the path that I've taken. And I um, sometimes that, without full context, of course, some people draw their own conclusions. A lot of people think I'm out there whoring myself around. And God, sometimes I wish I could, because I'm, you know, I don't get enough sex anymore. But um, <laughs> the, the truth is, I, you know, I never did, and I never was. And I think a lot of people hate. Like it's weird. There's a lot of people that hate that I'm a white male that to them was attractive and they think I'm making all this money from talking about HIV. I haven't made one dime on any of the stuff I've done. I've donated a lot of my own money. Um, so it's, it is interesting the, the kind of the conclusions that they draw. And what I think it comes back to is just a lot of people are very insecure with the disease and illness itself. And some people are so uneducated about it. It's really, really quite shocking. Um, you know, they think I'm out there basically infecting all of Manhattan and that's just ridiculous. There's plenty of people already doing that. Uh, you know, it's, it is, really, really shocking the amount of, I probably on World Day's Day, I think I got a total of 250 emails just that day, and half of them were negative, and, and negative and on the spectrum of just disagreeing to, you know, thinking that I should be dead. Um, right. And that, to me, I think is a, a sign that the conversation is far from over, uh, and it, it really goes to a, you know, Donnie Deutsch and Val, our president um, at, at Deutsch Advertising, talk a lot about tolerance and the lack of tolerance, even in the workplace or in social settings, or um, and that's kind of where I'm, where I go at the end of the day with all of it. Is if if we can't be more tolerant people, we're screwed. I also have to say that I think there's different levels of um, of awareness and and education. And like you know, recently I was just um, you know I I asked someone out and I thought that they were cute and whatever. And he's like, well, quite honestly, I have to say that I'm 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 being honest and I'm really nervous about your status because I know you're HIV positive and I was like well and then I can go into the whole spiel but it's sort of like you know would you rather go out with someone who 
either doesn't tell the user status, says they're negative, doesn't really know for sure, where at least I'm, you know, being very open about and upfront about the fact that I'm positive. I know my, my viral load is undetectable. The odds of getting it from me, you know, are rather low. If we're having protected sex and I'm undetectable, it's like, you know, as opposed to tricking with someone that you met at a bar that says they're negative. It's like, People just, it's so weird how to me how mentally someone can be so much more comfortable doing that as opposed to taking a chance on someone who's positive and knows their status and is being treated for it. Like, I just find that so, I always find that shocking. No, I agree. I think dating is a, it is, it's one of those, th- I got very lucky shortly after I was diagnosed. I met a, a guy that I've written quite a lot about um, who since dumped me, but we'll get to that another day. Uh, and his <laughs> name was Adam, and, you know, we dated for, I met him like a month and a half after I'd been diagnosed, and I told him on our third date, and I he was amazing in the sense of, you know, learning and living it with me and trying to understand, and it definitely impacted our sex life, and it definitely was scary for him, and I think I share that a lot, but for that very reason, there's still a lot of people that are terrified of it. I can't blame them for that. I don't, I you know, one of the first things I wrote about was, would you date someone with HIV? And a lot of, the majority of people will say no. And if you ask them just in a social setting, and I did a lot of that before I, you know, I told people, um, which is you ask someone at dinner, just ask any random friend, and a lot of them will say no. And I think that, you know, if we we have a growing population of people that are HIV positive that are living longer, and um, I would hope that there are more people like Adams of the world that are trying to um, learn to live and love uh, in a new and more tolerant way. So what do you what, what do you say to those um, guys who say that they won't date a um, negative person? Well, um, you know, I'm still conflicted with that because I get a lot of people, uh, and I'm not saying this because I am attractive whatsoever, but a lot of people reach out to me and they just want to have sex because they are positive and they um, know that I'm positive too. Well, that off the bat just kind of ruins any romance that might come out of it. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I find it. I find if you're basing a relationship strictly on the, the illness that you have, I can't imagine that that relationship it has a foundation that is, in any way, something that is going to be productive. At least in my life. So that's just kind of my stance on it. It's not. Well, something I mean, that's... listen. Everyone has a right to believe whatever they want. I mean, if you want, oh, sure. if if you're negative and you only want to date people that think they're negative, then that's your business. I mean, I. I don't know if I was HIV negative, if I would be so apt to, I mean, now I'm so over-educated on HIV that, um, I mean, you can never be too educated, but I, I think I'm different now, but I wouldn't be in the same place if I was negative. So, yeah, you know, I, mean, I, can, yeah, I, would... I can understand people that aren't really well-educated about it and just want to completely steer clear of the whole issue, and that's fine. You're missing out on a lot of amazing people. I mean, you know, the statistics CDC just came out and said, like, one out of five make possibly even more gay and bisexual sexually active men in, in major metropolitan states are HIV positive. So that's like 20% of the population. So, I mean, if and if you think all these people that are HIV negative that are going around saying like, oh, you know, I would never date someone who's positive or sleep or have sex with someone who's positive, well, you already have. <laughs> I mean, unless you've only slept with five people in your life, like you already have, you just don't know it, you know, so... I, I just think that people re- need to kind of re-examine their stance on that and, um, you know, that there there are ways to deal with having sex with an HIV-positive person that's not, you know, not not to say that it won't put you in um, 
I mean, I don't want to say, oh, well, you're completely out of danger, but if someone's being treated and their viral load is undetectable and you're having safer sex, it's like, it doesn't really get much safer than that, as opposed to someone who has never really been tested or assumes they're negative or, I mean, doesn't really know the facts about their own body. So that's off my little tirade there for a minute. <laughs> uh, no problem. <laughs> well, we just have to let Jack do that every now and again. <laughs> I, I can. That's fine. <laughs> It will happen again in 10 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, Jack. No. Just kidding. Fuck you. <laughs> so, so you're doing this, um, you, you're doing the, the, the advocate columns. You yep. are, you're speaking to, um, student audiences. Yep. And I, um, I think, you know, I'm still de- developing, I guess is a strong word, but, uh, kind of what I do in, in this realm, and, uh, you know, the column is one of them. I'm also, I write for some other publications on an ad hoc basis, uh, a lot around gearing up for the 30th anniversary this year, have been approached, you know, um, by about 10 different publications, so I'll do that. Um, and then speaking of, you know, I spoke at probably right around World Aids Day, about 10 different schools in a short amount of time, from Boston University down to a, um, a small performing arts, you know, college. So and even a couple of schools here in the city. And that, again, is not me going and talking about safe sex. It's it's bringing a conversation to a place that I don't think is having a real conversation. And one of the things I try to do in all of those efforts is be as true and honest and real about, you know, I, the Boston University crowd, like, shocked when I, you know, was talking about things like coming on someone's face or the difference between, you know, you know people just don't have these honest, frank conversations about sex and, the ways that you get it and the things that I deal with and, you know, questions I'm asked. And I think unless we can really talk about it in a real honest and raw way, then we are, you know, we're not really doing justice to what kind of the greater conversation is about. So, um, yeah, so we'll see. I think, you know, I'll gear up and do – last year we did – I did the A's Walk for the first time in New York City and ended up ranking, like, number eight. And I think there's a huge fundraising effort there that has a lot of momentum behind it. And um, we did an event here in the city that sold out and was uh, a really awe-inspiring event because it brought people from kind of every background and um, every walk of life together for one night to not just raise money but to really engage in something that a lot of people were uncomfortable with. Um, And so that was amazing, and so we'll do that again, and we'll see. You know, I don't really know. I have some other efforts that I'm trying to get off the ground, but there's only so many hours in a day, and I have a job too, so. (laughs) Those darn day jobs. No, what, do you do? what do you do? What do you do? What's your day job? I um work at Deutsch Advertising. I um oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a group account director here. Yeah. Cool. So I want to remind everybody it is 9:30. We're at the bottom of the hour. We have 30 minutes left of the show. And if you have any questions that you want to um if you want to call in and ask Tyler a question or have a comment, please give us a call at 347-215-9442. Again, the number to call is 347-215-9442 and please press 1 to uh get noticed in the in the call queue so we can get you online and on the air. So Tyler, what has been the the response that you've been getting when you actually talk to some of these some of these kids? Because because quite honestly, you're closer to their age than myself or Jack is. So what what <laughs> they tell you? Be careful. 
I'm being careful. <laughs> hey, I'm closer to your age than I am to than the Tyler's, so I'm younger. Um uh, <laughs> you I'm are to, you know, I you know, I think the the school conversations have been they're just as much a learning experience for me as they are for them. I think it's it's one I always I never thought I would be speaking about this, so that's always an odd place to be in. A lot of people want to talk about Donnie Deutsch, who um, is infamous in his own right in a lot of settings. Uh, and then a lot of them have, you know, really, really interesting perspectives on the disease and the impact it has and the things they've been dealt with in life. And then some of them have no education about it whatsoever. And I think mm-hmm. that has been, to me, a real letdown in I don't know what they're talking about in schools. Um, I came from a family that talked about sex from the get-go, and I was lucky that way. Uh, but, you know, these kids are, for kids to not know how it's contracted is shocking to me. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of them, when you, I do, I talk about um, safe sex because I think at the end of the day, most people have had unprotected sex, bottom line. And if we ignore that, we're just stupid. So we get that out of the way at the beginning. And I think if you have everyone in an auditorium kind of look themselves in, in a mirror and say, when have I had unprotected sex? And literally everybody raises their hand, including the teachers, each time. So that to me is an interesting conversation to have because it gets it out of the way of any kind of judgment, which is one thing that it's hard for people to do. And then the questions range from, you know, do I have it to um, what is it? And I think that's that's kind of sad. But they are much more of a tolerant kind of setting and grouping than older gay men who tend to just hate everything. Right. Yeah, no, that, that's actually so true, and I find also you'll do this, I mean, as long as you decide to keep doing this and do this speaking circuit and all that stuff, you'll always be surprised by a question. I mean, I always think, oh, I've spoken a, a hundred plus times to, like, you know, anywhere from, you know, 20 to a thousand people, and, you know, every time I get a question and I'm like, oh, I've actually never been asked that before, that's a really good question, like, um, or shockingly, I'll be like, oh, I thought everyone knew that. And I'm, you know, I can't believe you don't know that. So it, it, it always runs again and you'll always continually be surprised. Exactly. Hey, so we have a caller in the queue and I'm going to go ahead and bring him online, him or her, I should say. Hold on one second. And I think I clicked it. Caller nine, area code 904, you're on the air. Hey, this is Dennis in Jacksonville, hey, Florida. How are you hey, doing, Dennis Jeremy? From Florida. Good. How are you, Tyler? Hi. I followed your uh, advocate column from the beginning, and I followed the comments. I want to know how you deal with the negativity in them. As somebody who stood up for you in the comments, um, you know it's interesting. I have not until this last go round ever read the comments because it would impact. Oh, really? The way, it would actually impact the way in which I wrote. Um, this last time I did, the the times they've commented the most, it's been the most trafficked, you know, article they've had during that week or a couple of weeks, which is shocking when you have a lot of other things going on. Um, so I've tried to steer clear of them because I think at the end of the day, that's not going to help me. All I can do is talk about what I know and, and what I've lived, and I don't want to influence that too much with the negativity. Although reading this last round, um, I am shocked usually. But I can disconnect from that because I know that at the end of the day I've made decisions and, and to, you know, to do the right thing the best I can, and all I'm doing is talking about the truth. So, I just wanted to ask because I think we've all 
felt negativity from other people. And it's not easy. I seeing, that in the com- seeing that in the comments, and I stand up for it. I'll Let's comment on any blog anywhere, and I'll stand up for for us. But the whole thing is, you know, know us as who we are. And I think you do a good job of doing that, so thank you. Uh, well, thank you, and thank you for standing up. We need more people like you, commentary. I'm also shocked at how many people have so much time on their hands. I know, right? So thanks for calling in, Dennis. And um, um, I have to say, Tyler, I'm like um, early on in the the whole uh, my whole project on my experience. Right after I got off of television, like the commenters are commenting on 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 the internet is is a joke, basically because. You know, you'll. It doesn't matter what you say. You can say the sky is blue, and like a hundred different people will say no, it's not. So, I I don't ever read comments on any press that happens to me or anything that I write. Or it's just because it's. And and if you try to get immersed in it, like you said, you're so right. It'll affect the way you write. It affects the way you think about what you write, and it affects. You know, it's all just a big bag of bullshit half the time, and it's like. People that are uneducated and don't know what they're talking about like to vent, and um, there's a lot of sad and happy, fucked up people in this world, so it just is what it is. Agreed. So what now? What what do you think you're going to be doing going forward? And, um, because you are, I mean, you're young enough. I mean, you, you've got many, many years ahead of you to do all kinds of things. So what is it that you think you're going to do? Um, you know, I think I'll continue doing this and moving it more towards a nonprofit in some form or fashion. I, I know I won't be opening a foundation that's specializing in research or working to find a cure or that. I think I will go the route of uh, creating a some type of organization that continues to help in education around just really, frankly, the honest conversation that, that surrounds this disease and hoping to continue that in in different ways you know truthfully you know i think one of the first things is to try to get um when we when they do have these uh fundraisers or events or like i'm thinking jeffrey fashion cares here in the city or amfar or um how can we make those more than just a bunch of people getting together and and raising money or seeing a concert how can we make them more engaging and a lot of that can happen if you can get a big donor behind you you can influence the programming of that event and so uh Impact Red, which is the organization that, that I have, to start trying to facilitate that in a big way could, could do some big things. And then, um, you know, truthfully, I don't I don't really know. This all happened so organically. I have a lot in my career I'm focused on, and I'll continue to do this as long as people keep wanting to hear from me. And uh, mm-hmm. we'll see. Are you going to the Empire event on the 10th? I'm not. You're not. I'm not. I'm, Jack, I don't know. Say what? I said Jack needs a date. <laughs> I do. I do need a date. I need my hot mess. Nobody wants. Don't want to. No, you don't want to date me. I'm. I'm trying hey, to take my pills. I'm trying to take my pills as I do this show. <laughs> We've got another caller on the queue. Um, another New Yorker is calling in. So let's go ahead and bring our New York friend in. Hello, New York. You're on the line. Hi guys. This is Chico from New York City. Hey Chico. Hey. Um, Tyler, I had been following your uh, your blogs on the advocate and also your um, 
your group the uh, for the AIDS walk, what are you guys planning to do for the upcoming walk, and what are the goals, and what are kind of the the outlines that you guys have for that? Uh, good question, actually. You know, that's how all this really started was I reached out to some friends four weeks before the last AIDS walk and said, hey, I think I want to do a fundraiser and let's let's try to do something big. We raised close to $40,000 in four weeks' time and were, you know, oh, my goodness. the number 10 team out of in this area. We had 300 people come to our event. Uh, I think this year we're working to, to do that same thing, but one, you know, a notch higher, and I would like to either this year or next have the, you know, the highest raising um, AIDS walk team in the city and uh, and continue that in, in a really big way. It was 14 really special people in my life that, that came together and did something really, really amazing. And I think if, if everyone had been at that event that night, it was one of those things that just beyond the disease and beyond it was just transforming to so many people. And so um, we're quickly gearing up for this year, and we hope, you know, I think it can it can be big. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, thank you. Thanks for calling in, Chico. Um, we've got a couple more coming in in the um, in the queue. We've got area code 443, you're up next, and then area code 954, you're right after area code 443. So, Is his name really Chico? His name was Chico, yeah. <laughs> and the man. Hey, girl, and by the way, let's props for doing the switchboard tonight. You're working it out, honey. I, I'm working on it. <laughs> All right. Okay, area code four four three. You're on the air with Tyler. Hi, Tyler. How are you? How are you? Doing well. I just wanted to uh, uh, say one. I, I I read your work and and I enjoy it very much. And um, uh, I'm a writer myself. I write for an HIV positive uh, website. And um, kind of going back to the whole the, the comments question. Um, I myself, I actually welcome the comments and that both positive and negative because for me even if even if you're pissing somebody off with what you're saying they're listening no so, i agree i think i think there's a difference between i you know it's funny you say that because i was thinking how much i um how i didn't how i don't mind them because i think if they're talking about it that's the one goal i had was to start a conversation I think, you know, exactly. the reason I don't engage in them is just because, A, I don't have the time, and, B, I have enough emails that have the same comments in them. Um, and also just because, you know, why give a forum, as Oprah says on her new own network, uh, why give a forum <laughs> to people that are not going to do anything productive? So if they're talking about it, that's great. And, you know, I think one column had 300 comments that were a back-and-forth conversation. So whether they wanted me dead or alive, at least they were talking about it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I completely agree. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> Not a problem. It was good talking to you. You too. Thanks for calling in. Mm-hmm. So now we are going to go to area code 954. 954, you're on the air. Hello? Or not. Okay, 954, you you're oh, on the air. Hi, who's on? Am I on? Hello? Is it working? Yeah, I think so. Working? You're on. Okay, hi. It's Nate Clark from Fort Lauderdale. How are you? Oh, hello, Nate. Hey Jeremy. Um, How anyway, are you? I was gonna. I'm great. I'm great. I was just gonna uh, make a comment that Tyler was mentioning about older and younger gay men. There is a huge difference. Uh, Grover, my partner, and I wrote a uh, column on HIV life in South Florida uh, for four years in the gay newspaper, which didn't go to any straight people, and we would get comments because we got an online and a 
in a uh, in a comment section, and the people that that were didn't understand what we were talking about and were like, you know, you all should like, you know, to only date yourselves and don't worry about disclosure and we're the older gay men. Older gay negative men are probably the most, I don't know what happened to them, but my peers that are negative would, you know, are kind of like nice and cordial, but I always, they all, I think they always refer to me as you people. You know, um, it's funny. Cause I have, sorry, go ahead. There's a generation gap in the gay community. Yeah, you know, a lot of them, here's where they come from. A lot of them come from a place that they have lived a side of the disease that I won't live, um, and that is that they lost 80% of their friends. And I get that. I think I, what I don't get is their inability to um, look at the here and now and the impact they could be having. And there is a group of them that are very thankful and, and kind and supportive um, in their own way to, to to what I do now and what people like Jack do. and. Um, the interesting thing is, while you know I didn't live in those times that are, were horrible, and I uh, don't try to take anything away from that, you know I lost at the age of ten. Like three of my mom's best friends died, um, so it wasn't like I was totally oblivious to everything, and it also isn't like that they um, can't can't progress forward in a place that is supportive of the community and place they live in now. And truthfully, you can't do anything about that. Um, and what I try to do is reach past even the gay community because I think where I've seen the biggest impact is really in the straight community. You know, I had a client that sent me a note on World AIDS Day that said it changed the conversation he had with his two daughters. Um, that's amazing. And I'm, then I'm less concerned about, you know, the old guy on the Fire Island Ferry who yelled at me because I didn't live in 1980s. And when I did live in 1980s, I just didn't, you know, die. Sorry, I get very angry about that whole thing. <laughs> No, no, no. That's actually really interesting. I never, I never really heard that before. Like that there was this weird sort of, I don't know, I don't know what that stems from. Like bitterness and survivor's guilt, and I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of psychology behind that all, but it's interesting that there's a whole group of people. Well, I've confronted them because if, if you know me, I'm kind of like a mouthy person, and um, they've always said, well. I managed to not get AIDS, <laughs> and I said you were lucky. <laughs> it, it, you know, because it, 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 it's just yeah, know, that's a weird like thing it. to me. It, one of the first comments I got was from someone that used to actually work at Deutsch, and they sent me an email that said they couldn't imagine someone to be so stupid to get it now, and they would beat me with a two by four if they saw me next. And I thought, well, a that was the stupidest email I got out of all of them, and b <clears throat> it is that just is not a productive conversation to have. You know, I get it. I, you know, I know I, there's a million reasons why I shouldn't have gotten it, believe me. Um, so, yeah, I, I've, that's one of those things that I just I can't even begin to, to sometimes talk about because it's just so asinine. Right. That's work I still need to do in, in the gay community. There, there is still a gap there, and, and I think that you even see that when, um, when things like the ADAP crisis came up. Um, you know, we, we, I asked some of my other friends, we, we had some rallies here and some stuff here down in Fort Lauderdale, and my negative friends had no interest in doing this. I said, do you want to go rally down? It's kind of fun. We'll go there and we'll go to the bar later. You know, and, <laughs> and no, they didn't want to go. They had no interest in, you know, helping people or just being aware of, of, of the problem. And, you know, I think that's that's a huge issue. I mean, Yes, they, you know, there's fundraisers for HIV, and they all come in their, in their tuxedos and stuff, but that's about it. 
you know, they're not really going to write a, write a congressman, and they're not really going to do a protest, and it, it, it's kind of distressing. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. But Absolutely. What do you do? Yeah, I mean, the the whole ACT UP generation has moved on. In, in or died. Effect, right? Or died, exactly. So, I mean, they've moved on or they died. And, and, and truthfully, don't I don't have expect... That same... hmm? Yeah, and I mean, I don't expect every single gay person to be, you know, standing and talking about HIV every single day. So I get it. If that's not the cause of their, a cause they're invested in, I'm actually okay with that. I, what I'm not okay with is the aggression that's against it. Um, I'm fine if you choose you need to support cancer or Parkinson's or, you know, I have worked with the Michael J. Fox Foundation and Michael J. Fox for years, and that used to be my disease of kind of advocacy because I felt so strongly about Parkinson's. Um, now it's shifted. So, uh, you know, I get it when people just don't want to engage in it. What I don't get is the non-support of it, and I think um, that that's just not being human. Absolutely. Nate, thanks for calling in. Thanks. That whole thing about like the comment about the, the the email you got about that no one should be getting it now, you know, in this day and age with all the education and whatnot we have, and it's that on some it's wrong on so many levels. It's like, well, first of all, people are still getting it for whatever reasons, and that and and what it really points to on as well is blame, and it's like blaming someone for a set of circumstances, it's like. Yeah, ideally, we'd all love to have it would be perfect and we'd all protect ourselves perfectly and we wouldn't make any poor choices and everything would be lovely and rosy, but that's not the way the world works. So it's like, it's you're right, it's so asinine to say, like, you know, if, if, if I knew you and you got it and the education we have now, I, you know, I'd be the two-by-four or whatever. That's just ludicrous. And, you know, here's the thing. You're dealing with a disease that is based in an act that happens – at a time, one of the few acts that's fundamental to life, it's, it's human nature. It influences and impacts all of your emotions, sensory, decision-making, everything. Um, and it's one of those things that also is invested in a relationship among two people that has a slew of different factors. You know, it's not a, because a gene got mixed up in your, you know, gene pool and you got it, or it's not because you drank from a cup and so you could have made that. It, it happens in a decision time that is in and of itself uh, will – there's no way to ever be able to say everyone's going to have, you know, protected sex. So we just have to get over it and realize that people are having unprotected sex. Do they need to know that they probably shouldn't? Of course. Um, is it helpful to yell at them and, and call them, you know, stupid or threaten them to die if they have? No, that's asinine. Right. We, we, don't, we don't advance anything. We have another caller coming in. <laughs> I think this is the most callers that I've seen – in my history yeah, Tyler, you're show. real popular, Tyler. No kidding. <laughs> so um, we have area code 770. Um, 770, you are on the air with Tyler. Tyler, this is MR. Hi. I'm so proud to follow you on The Advocate and on this forum tonight and um, our daily or our weekly talks. You just make me very proud. Thank you. Everyone should know that that is my stepmother. Um, Aww. And she is someone that has engaged in the conversation um, from the beginning. Her, my father, and my family, uh, I think, are prime examples of what it is to be uh, good people. And, um, and I appreciate you calling in. 
Love. Love you. Love you too. Oh, wait, before you hang up, do you have any embarrassing stories that you'd like to tell us about, Tyler? <laughs> oh. Now's I your time. Do. Now's your chance. <laughs> I have a lot of them. Yeah. Let's just put it this way. I had an obsession with a cape until about the age of 15. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I want pictures. This, this is one of the greatest. In. This is one of the greatest kids um, that you could know, and uh, just we're very proud of you, Tyler. Thank you. Bye. Oh, Bye. Thank you. Uh, oh, that was great. So, so an obsession with a cape? Yeah, I don't know. I was well. So I grew up in a as an only child half the time, and then I had a a half sister who you know I should mention my sister. She um, actually got a red ribbon tattoo on her um, arm, which A, speaks to how crazy she is, but B, um, how just supportive my family has been in a, in a really big way. But growing up as an only child, you had to find ways to entertain yourself, and sometimes that Dracula outfit from, you know, five years ago just seemed fun. Hey, well, before you came on the air, I was just telling Jeremy that my mom said when I was five and six, I used to wear her nightgowns and run around the house, so I get, I'm with you. A See? flowing fabric can entertain for hours. Yes, it, that is exactly it, a flowing fabric. Yeah, I just went through my closet and found my Harry Potter costume. Oh God! And ran around in it this morning. <laughs> and then I quickly threw it into the garbage. And I said it has to leave the house. It was evil, all evil. Anyway, so we are down to our last six minutes of of the hour, and um, this the time has flown by. I mean, this has been a great, great time. Tyler, is there anything that – what would be the one thing that you would like to leave our listeners with? Um, wow. Uh, I think what I would say is that if you or someone you know has not had a conversation about HIV in the past month, change that tomorrow and ask someone their status, get tested, talk about it with a friend, ask someone that if you know someone who is, ask them how they're doing and how they got it, um, and perhaps try to think about how this disease and the people's perceptions and treatment of those that have it and those that love those who have it um, really speaks more than about the decisions that I made or that someone else made or that Jack made to get there, but they speak a lot about who you are as a human and who we are as a community and if we can't be more tolerant and more human in the way that we live, love, and treat other people, um, we frankly are not um, being the good people that I really think we all at heart can be. So that's what I would leave them with. No, I think that's a great parting thought. Jack, I do too. Yeah, I mean, just how, how do you well, follow I just think, I, I, I think it's so, I mean, the, the art of conversation is so powerful, and it's like, that's what normalizes and and destigmatizes the whole disease. It's just becoming comfortable with it. And any kind of conversation, whether it's about how someone's doing living with HIV or if they've been tested or if they know their status or all of that normalizes the HIV, the disease within our society. And, and you know, stigma prevents people from getting tested and from even wanting to know their status because they're scared and, all that stuff. So, I mean, I think you're so right. Just just a simple conversation is a really powerful tool. Absolutely. 
Tyler, I want to thank you again for taking time out of your Sunday evening to to chat with us. This was a terrific conversation, and we really appreciate you having on, be, having you on the air tonight. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It was um, it was my pleasure. And now, if, so if someone wants to like find you and hunt you down and stalk you, is there what's the best way to do that? You you have your article <laughs> in Advocate, and then they you're on Facebook. Google. Can Google my name. I have a website that will be up and running again next week, um, which is just tylerjhelms.com, or impactred.org is also available. So, anyway, you just put my name in Google, you'll find me. Well, I'm like meeting you. I'm sure I'll see you. I'm sure I'll see you in the near future. Now that I know who you are. Yeah, let me know um, when you're in New York next. I'm in New York. I'm in Harlem, honey. Oh, I see. I don't go above 23rd Street. <laughs> well, I, I go to David Barton Gym, so. <laughs> oh, God. Great. Thanks talking to you. It was great talking to you. All right. Thanks for calling in. We appreciate Bye-bye. it. Bye. Bye. <laughs> goodness, goodness. God, these so, queens um, that don't go up, these Chelsea queens that don't go above 23rd Street. Oh. <laughs> That's great. Um, my so, honey, hey, um, you're, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Grin. He was awesome. But, um, I loved him. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was great. Yeah. Fantastic. And he's cute. He's well spoken. And it oh my god, like he's so well spoken and articulate. Like I was, he was a great guest. Yes, absolutely. And um, I just wanted to give a plug really quick to the House of Mercy um, AIDS Walk, which is coming up on May 11th, and uh, it's going to be here in Charlotte. It's for a great cause. The House of Mercy is a um, is a it's an AIDS hospice housed here in the Mecklenburg and Gastonia counties here in Charlotte, just south of Charlotte, and they um, have uh, they have been full up with patients, and they just had a woman check in on Thursday, and she passed away on Tuesday. So um, they do some really great work, some really great outreach, and and just it's it's. It's one of my favorite places to go volunteer and spend some time. So, um, anyway, I'll be talking about uh, the show about the um, AIDS walk on upcoming weeks because we're looking for money and walkers. So, anyway, again, May 11th, House of Mercy, AIDS walk. Jack, what do you got going on these days? Um, like I said earlier in the show, I think um, it's uh, it's whatever that. Uh, it's the 11th or 12th, whatever the Saturday is in February. <laughs> I'm such a diss. I'm not in front of my computer anymore. But um, yep. I'm doing the AIDS Service Center. Uh, it's Fashion Show Benefit. I'm hosting it in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So I'll be down there. And uh, anything else, you can just go to jackmacaroth.com, and I'm doing stuff. <laughs> doing stuff. <laughs> doing stuff. Uh, uh, we're down to our last minute and a half, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so i, I got to say you can find me at uh, PositivelySpeaking.com. That's P-O-Z, PositivelySpeaking.com. And don't forget to always check out POSIM.com where you get your dose of hope any old time. We've got some great people that are on the um, on that social network there. And, of course, uh, follow us at Twitter at POSIM on Twitter and Facebook.com forward slash POSIM. So, again, um, Jack, it was great having you back. and it, it, Yay! It, yay! I'm, I'm back in the swing of it. Yay! Woohoo! So, um, <laughs> well, you'll be in a swing. I'm t- or sling. Uh, swing. Oh, girl. I don't know. 
Anyway. Uh, no, my that's private. That's just private. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and say goodnight to everybody. And, again, thank you very much to Tyler Helms for being our guest this evening. Um, it was a great show. And, Jack, you have a great week and have a great weekend. Good night, sweetie. Bye. Good night. Mwah. Good night, everybody. And, uh, again, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to um, send us an email at pauseim.com. Thanks again. Bye.